0: So I've called the topic tonight, Transformational Healing. And this is this is about healing that, the possibility of changing one's whole life with healing. Um, and the first thing I want to say is that transformational healing is possible. It is possible to change your life, to move long-standing patterns of stuckness, to Cure long standing patterns of dysfunction. That's the good news. This is your birthright to heal in this way. The slightly less than good news is it's harder than anything you've ever been through before to go through healing. Um, Among other things, it's about facing your deepest fears. Um, And it's really why we live in a society in which many people don't choose, choose not to go through healing. Um, It's sad because in in many cultures, up until relatively recent modern times, people lived in groups. They lived in tribes, they lived in villages, um, you know, and so everyone would be in a social network and everyone would kind of be in everyone's business. And in such a society, if some sort of trauma happened to me and and I chose not to deal with it well essentially i'd I'd be kind of a jerk, and I'd be walking around, and the whole everyone in the society would have the motivation to encourage me and support me in bringing me to whether it was the shaman, the medicine man, the wise old woman, whoever it was that would handle. Transformation. Now, fast forward to 2023, you know, we have this modern world where we all live in apartments so we can be apart from each other, you know. And, um, you know, if something traumatic happens to me and I'm kind of a jerk, I don't necessarily have any motivation to deal with it. I can just go through my life being a jerk and there's no motivation to deal with that um, what we know from from recovery groups and 12-step groups is that more often than not when someone enters that work it's because they've hit absolute rock bottom now that's not always the case but more often than not someone really begins that work once they've hit rock bottom and so we live in a society where it almost takes getting to rock bottom before people are willing to embrace the healing journey. So where to begin talking about the healing journey? I, I think I'll begin by saying this is kind of a, a very rough sort of schema of the human psyche, a sort of a diagram of the human psyche. Level one is the head, the thoughts. That's the most superficial part of us by far. It's the part that gets the most attention in this culture, um, but it's very superficial and it is easily driven by the other layers. It, think, it likes to think that it's independent. That's the that's kind of the joke. Um, below that is the emotion. You might say the heart layer. Um Sometimes that's calm, sometimes that's agitated, you know, but there's energies at that level. The third level down, level three, is, I would call that the level of primary attachments and core pain. And a lot of our core pain, a lot of the core pain in this culture resides at level three. Level four, I would call the hidden ground of love, the the most fundamental part of our being. and and in many ways the most powerful part of our being. And one of the sad things about this culture is that it's a very noisy culture. It's a culture where people don't have a practice of becoming silent. We're we're the exceptional ones gathering into a room and cultivating silence. the head, of course, is loud. The head is a, tends to be a loud place in this culture. And there's there's all kinds of strings feeding the head more information so it gets louder and louder. Um, emotions sometimes are subtle, sometimes they're loud. Pain is the loudest signal in our body by far. Pain is an incredibly loud signal. The hidden ground of love is silent. And so it's often missed in this culture. And in fact, it it's very sad. I think there are a lot of people who walk around with the belief that their pain is the deepest part of them, you know, because they they don't have a practice of silence that allows them to contact the ground of love. So the the pain that re- exists at level three, at the level of our primary attachments, and often often plays out in all kinds of dysfunctions in our, in our various connections. Um, often this has a very young quality. Often it has to do with childhood wounding, sometimes wounding before our earliest memories even. Um, and so it, it has this funny relationship with the head, The head is kind of the grown-up in the room. Um, And the message of pain influences the head in two ways. One is that the, the, the pain at level three powers lots of arguments in the head. And all the arguments are along the lines of why I shouldn't engage in healing, you know why i'm exceptional why i'm alone why i'm never going to be loved why i'm going to die alone why whatever healing technique works for other people but it won't work for me you know all these kinds of explanations that the head has and of course the head can can conjure all these incredibly rational reasons and all these things that sound like textbook quality reasoning uh, but it's all driven by this emotional pain pain also influences the head in sending painful verbal messages um often these come in the form of an inner critic and and the the messages you know it you know the lie that i'm not worthy i'm not lovable i'm you know whatever um, whatever these core message core messages of pain um and often there's um Tremendous emotion with these almost agonizing emotion associated with some of these core messages. And the sad thing is that because the head is, is ultimately the weakest and most insubstantial part of us, the head gullibly believes all those messages. Like the head believes they're literally True. And then the head can even multiply pain by, well, if I'm not lovable, then I shouldn't hang out with people, you know, or whatever. Like, in other words, it it, it produces hideous logical consequences of whatever it gets from the, the emotional pain. Now, I'll back up and say that I think a, an important way to understand this relationship between the core pain at level three and the head is the relationship, say, of a two-year-old in temper tantrum to their parents. And this is something I've talked about a little bit before. A two-year-old in temper tantrum will say all kinds of horrible things to the parents. I don't like mommy. I don't like daddy. You know, I want to go away and never see you again. You know, all, all kinds of things like this. The wise parent more or less neglects whatever is the verbal content of those doesn't take it seriously at all uh, doesn't believe it at all um, and attends to the child's real needs, that's what a wise parent does Um, unfortunately there are some abusive parents who take their children literally and, and retaliate and in the child's world this is you know obviously a, a a two-year-old doesn't have discursive logic, but in the in the child's world the I think the logic is something like this: I'm distressed. I don't know what to do about that. Maybe if I make mommy and daddy distressed, then they'll know what to do. they can fix their distress and then they'll know how to fix my distress you know i I think the logic is something along those lines. And I think that's very much the logic of our core pain in sending emotionally distressing messages to the head. Um, and so the first step in healing is just not believing those messages. You know, the pain is real. The verbal message produced by the pain is 100% false. It's a, it's a dysfunctional bid for connection in a way. But much as the the toddler's words, so simply the practice of silence and the practice of meditation itself is healing. Um, you know it shuts down the uh, the the multiplication machine of you know deducing further things from the message of pain. It's also true that we live in a a culture that um, encourages a lot of stress and encourages a lot of tension. Um, We live in a society in which, sadly, very few people know really how to relax, you know? And again, I think maybe the people in this room are the exception rather than the rule. But anything that relaxes us itself promotes psychic healing, and even promotes physical healing when we relax. It's actually it actually boosts the immune system when we relax. Um, so cultivating silence, relaxing, you know, time in nature, time listening to wonderful music, that sort of thing. Um, Typically, any entertainment that involves a a changing screen, like television or video games, that's something that actually stresses us out. It actually is dosing us with with adrenaline rather than allowing it. it. We tell ourselves we're doing it to relax, but it doesn't actually relax the body. a lot of healing is about moving toward our deepest pain, moving toward pain, which is so anti-intuitive because every part of us wants to move away from pain. Um, and I know there are some people who maybe at earlier stages of life were overwhelmed in pain. They were, as it were, drowning in the river of pain. And in their adult life, maybe they've, you know, they've managed to find some solid ground and, you know, they've gotten as far away from that pain as possible. And so then they hear me saying something like, you have to move toward your pain. They think that they need to jump back in the river. I'm saying they should jump back in the river and start drowning again. Um, And it's something more like sitting in, in meditation by the river, you know, rather than jumping in and being overwhelmed by it. The wise parent of a toddler knows that even at the moment that the toddler is in temper tantrum, even when the toddler is screaming, you know, I hate mommy, I hate daddy, they know that the toddler is a lovable being, you know. And the wise parents never lose sight of that. Um, I think it's, it's a profound truth that we are made of love. We are made through and through of love. And even the, even the inner critic, even the most despicable part of us that is saying the most horrible things um, is a child crying out for love. And so a lot of the healing journey, at least in my experience, is approaching these places that are are painful, you know, one by one approaching them and just sitting with them and allowing them to be, allowing them to say what they have to say, allowing them to, allowing myself to feel whatever it is they feel. Um, and sometimes it's it's quick or sometimes it's slow, but... But as these emotions are felt and released, uh, as these places relax and release their trauma, they slowly become tenderness. They slowly become vulnerability. And then the psyche has, there's a little more room, as it were, in the psyche. And all this, how could I say, we need capacity to do healing, but the process of healing builds capacity. Because at any point, we're just leaning into whatever we can handle. Leaning into the edge of whatever we can hold of it at that moment. And then we, we, then we acclimate, and then we can hold a little bit more. You know, it, it's funny, this this thing about um, facing your deepest fear. You know, it's, it's not a one-time event. You know, in practice, we face our deep, you know, I face my deepest fear, or I... You know, first it's horrifying, and then I sit with it more, and then I acclimate slowly, then I, can, I have more capacity, I can hold that. And then because I have more capacity, now the next deepest fear comes online, you know. It's like in Beowulf, you know, he slays Grendel, and then something else comes out of the swamp and kills young men and women. It's Grendel's mother, you know the poet David White talking about the Beowulf myth, he says, it's not the thing you fear, it's the mother of the thing you fear. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that the deep, in my experience, the deep truth of healing Is that we need to love the places that feel unlovable, accept the places that feel unacceptable, and forgive the places that feel unforgivable. And that can even be a wonderful mantra, you know, to stand in front of a mirror and just say, Today I will love the places in me that feel unlovable. Today I will accept the places that feel unacceptable. Today I will forgive the places that feel unforgivable. And it, it's a paradox. How, how can I say? The alchemist talked about how you, we find the philosopher's stone like in the filth at the side of the road, you know. We find some of our own deepest capacities for connection, for, for meaning, for wonder, as we unfold these places of, of our deepest pain. Um... Another mantra that I would suggest is simply, we are made by love, we are made of love, and we are made for love, you know, and that that can also be a wonderful mantra every day, you know, I am made by love, I am made of love, and I am made for love. And I think one of the, the the most humbling insights of healing is that my healing process is not my own. My healing process belongs to the world, you know. And when each one of us heals, even a little bit, we have so much to offer to all around, you know. We have so much to offer to the human community. This, this culture is starved for people who are doing the authentic work of healing. So there's a, a quote from the quote sheet that is kind of paradoxical. It's from the Gospel according to Luke in the New Testament. So I'll read it. Jesus said nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be, shall be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I think in context of the New Testament, it was a little more like, you know, if you're, you know, God sees what you're doing and if you're sinful, that will be exposed kind of thing. Um. But I think there's other ways to work with this. I mean, certainly when I haven't done my healing work, um, when I haven't done my healing work, the wounded parts of me are screaming through my behavior, through my dysfunction, through the ways that I'm insensitive, the ways that I'm not showing up for others in the world, you know. And when we do our healing work, as, as intimate and profound and as private as that may feel, um, the effects are far wider than we can appreciate. I think it's such a profound truth and one that we, we can barely understand how deeply we're all connected and how deeply the, the growth that any one of us has contributes to everyone else. So let me, I'll share the quote sheet first with the Zoomies. Okay, the Zoomies should have it now. Um, here you go. So, the quote from Luke on the top this classic one from Rumi the wound is the place where the light enters you. Mm. <laughs> Meister Eckhart said, I tell you the truth any object you have in your mind, however good, will be a barrier between you and your utmost truth. You know, any story we have. Make sure it gets back there to everyone. Emily Dickinson said, truth dazzles gradually or else the world would be blind. And it is true that the, the healing process, is a very slow one. It it teaches patience because it never goes as fast as you'd like it. You know, head gets to the, the, you know, the, you know, head gets to the place of wanting the result far more than the healing, you know, much sooner than the, the entire healing process is ready. This is a, a commentary from the I Ching, from, from Richard Wilhelm's version of the I Ching, which, which incidentally is one of the most astonishing documents in print in the English language. Um... When a person has learned within their heart what fear and trembling mean, they are safeguarded against any terror produced by outside influences. This is the spirit that must animate all leaders and rulers, a profound inner seriousness from which all outer terrors glance off harmlessly. And, um, and it speaks to the kind of power that we have as we go through the healing process, because anything that I can't accept in here... I can't accept out there, but the more I can accept in here, the more I can hold a container for things happening outside of me. Virginia Woolf says, yet it is sometimes in our idleness and our dreams that the submerged truth comes to the top. And and part of the, the healing process is about that. Just We never know when we're going to get the next insight. Srinis Gardata said, truth is not a reward for good behavior nor a prize or passing some tests. It can not be brought about. It is, it is the primary, the unborn, the ancient source, of all that is. You are eligible because you are. You need not merit truth. It is your own. Just stop running away by running after. Stand still, be quiet. Auden said, truth like love and sleep, resents approaches that are too intense. You know, too, the, the head is very wants to be very logical and direct. And truth has much more of a spiral, healing has much more of a spiral quality to it. Thomas Merton said, To say that I am made in the image of God is to say love is the reason for my existence. For God is love. Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self love my true character love is my name the playwright kobe ave said quite simply you wonder what's inside you wonder if you can trust it flannery o'connor very characteristically said truth does not change according to our ability to stomach it dick okay. not said meditation can help us embrace our worries our fear and our anger and that is very healing. We let our own natural capacity of healing do the work. The more we sit with those emotions, just the more we develop our capacity. Persig said, it's a puzzling thing. Truth knocks on the door and, and you say, go away, I'm looking for the truth. And so it goes away. Puzzling. Ramdas said, healing does not mean going back to the way things were before. But, but rather allowing what is now to move us closer to God. The Dalai Lama said, There is only one important point you must keep in your mind and let it be your guide. No matter what people call you, you are just who you are. Keep to this truth. You must ask yourself how it is you want to live your life. We live and we die. This is the truth that we can only face alone. No one can help us, not even the Buddha." So consider carefully what prevents you from living the way you want to live your life. Nature Naomi Raymond said, healing may not be so much about getting better as about letting go of everything that isn't you, of all the expectations, all the beliefs, and becoming who you are. You know, and it's always this great question, how much of who I say I am now is really who I am and how much is illusion, you know? How much is some sort of game that's going to fall apart? David Rico said, our wounds are often the openings into the best and most beautiful parts of us. Gary Zuckov said, eventually you will come to understand that love heals everything and love is all there is. Carolyn May said, we often hesitate to follow our intuition out of fear. Most usually, we are afraid of the, of the changes in our own life that our actions will bring. Intuitive guidance, however, is all about change. It is energetic data ripe with the potential to influence the rest of the world. To fear change but to crave intu- intuitive clarity is like fearing the cold, dark night while pouring water on a fire that lights your cave. An insight the size of a mustard seed is powerful enough to bring down a mountain-sized illusion that may be holding our lives together. Truth strikes without mercy. We fear our intuitions because we fear the transformational power within our revelations. Anne Lamott said, Your problem is how you're going to spend this one odd and precious life you have been issued. Whether you're going to spend it trying to look good and creating the illusion that you have power over people and circumstances, or whether you're going to taste it, enjoy it, and find out the truth about who you are. Henry Cloud said, there's a big difference between hurt and harm. We all hurt sometimes in facing hard truths, but it makes us grow. It can be the source of huge growth. That is not harmful. Harm is when you damage someone. Facing reality is usually not a damaging experience even though it can hurt. And it's a funny thing about the psyche. Often, sometimes when people are at the beginning of the healing process, there's this feeling that if I allow myself to feel all that, if I allow myself to face all that, it's going to destroy me. It's going to destroy my life. And, And often when pain has been pushed away, you know, for years, for decades, it has more of that charge of, oh, my God, it's going to destroy me kind of thing. Um, Jung talked about how the psyche is deeply compensatory. There's no pain that we have that we don't also have the courage and strength to face. You know, there's no poison without the antidote, essentially. You know, we have everything we need within us, to face what is within us. And that's just, that's the nature of the psyche. Jason Mraz said, Transformation is my favorite game. And in my experience, anger and frustration are the result of you not being authentic somewhere in your life or with someone in your life. Being fake about anything creates a block inside of you. Life can't work for you if you don't show up as you. Mark Nepo said, whatever truth we can feel compelled to withhold, no matter how unthinkable it is to imagine ourselves telling it, not to is a way of spiritually holding our breath. You can only do it for so long.